Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Save big money on everything for your spring projects at Menards. We have all of your garden and landscaping essentials. Master Garden Premium Garden Soil contains a slow-release fertilizer that feeds gardens for up to nine months. It produces better results and is ready to use for all your gardening needs. Save big on Menards' great selection of garden and landscaping products. Compare brands in-store or online at Menards.com. Save big money at Now, join Kevin Hart as he dives into the minds of some of the world's funniest comedians. This is Comedy Gold Mines with Kevin Hart. Welcome. Welcome to an all new episode of Comedy Gold Mines. Where we do what? Where we do what, people? Tell me. Tell me. I know what you're saying, and I wish I could hear you because that would make me happy knowing that you know the answer. This is where we get into the minds of brilliant comedians. And oh my God, what amazing minds they are. Today's mind is no different. Today's mind is an amazing mind for so many different reasons. I'm talking to a guy, a guy who I feel has changed, has changed comedy in his own right and has yet to truly receive his flowers for doing so, which is what we're going to do here on this particular podcast. We're going to give him those flowers. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about my guy, Russell Peters. Russell, what's going on, man? Well, hello, young Kevin. It's great to see you. How you doing, man? Look at you, Russ. I know. It's good I've been, to see you, man. I've, I've been doing all kinds of work for your company, but never with you. So never with me. Never, did never. Your, I did your uh, breathing exercise show. That's yeah, the. Uh, you did Headspace. You did the Headspace. Uh, yeah, I sure I did that. And yeah. yesterday I did uh, Rip, Rip Michael's show. Yeah. Yes. And also, uh, here I am today with you. Yeah. yeah. The podcast. This is the good one. This is me and you this right now. We get one. to talk. Yeah, this, this is the real one. one. No, they're all good, but this is like the the good one, man. You get this is, the, really this is like you know buying Amazon and then having Jeff Bezos show up. There you go. There you go. Uh, Russ, did you understand what I mean when I said changed, changed the game in your own right, but never truly got your flowers for it? Did you I mean, I, I sort I sort of understood that. Yeah. Uh, for my listeners, here's what I meant. Uh, Russell Peters has toured at the highest level of touring for a large part of his career. Um, Russell Peters came and smacked the fucking touring industry in the face with numbers that nobody could understand or explain. And so they realized that Russell's, Russell's following was so large because Russell's people were coming out to support him in droves because they were so excited to finally have someone speaking about their heritage, their race, their life, and doing it in such a unique way. Now, Russell, I don't want to go too far in depth about that because I feel like that's what you can do. That's what you should do. Russell, when I say that, and I say your people, who am I referring to, Russell? Give, give my listeners a, an idea. Well- when I whenever I hear when I when I say my people, I, I don't mean just South Asian Indian people. I mean, it's pretty much uh, what I did was I locked down the immigrant market mm. and America, you know, is so fixated on black, white and Hispanic that they forgot that the rest of the country is all new Americans. Mm-hmm. And that includes everybody from Russians to Chinese to to Uzbekistan to Indians to Bangladesh to to the Caribbean, to everybody else who looks like the rest of America. But when they're at home, they don't sound like America. Mm. Mm. And Russ, at this point, you know, I love that you have it broken down like that, like to, to the it's almost it's almost so specific to where it now makes sense, because, you know, for for me at the time when you were doing these arenas and, and selling out multiple shows, I mean, your numbers were fucking insane. It was like, God damn, why is nobody talking about this? Like that's that. I remember that being like the biggest thing that 
that I just couldn't understand. I was like, why is nobody talking about this man's success? Why is nobody celebrating how massive this is? When I heard about you selling out the fucking garden, when I heard about you selling out the goddamn arena in Toronto, when I heard, like, when I, Russ, when I tell you, I literally have heard so many stories that coincide with unbelievable numbers attached to your goddamn stage presence. Um, was before I get into the to the to the flowers that I feel weren't truly given and us giving them now, was the was the goal that specific in the beginning for you to target that audience or did it kind of just happen? It just happened. I mean, I started doing stand up in 89. Mm-hmm. And when I started, it was just I just wanted to be a comic. I didn't I didn't even recognize that I was Indian at that point. I, mm-hmm. First of all, I grew up in the black community, so I already had my identity crisis happening. And then uh, I just wanted to be a comic. I just wanted to be able to work every week and make enough to pay a mortgage. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would have been just as happy being a road comic that, you know, makes a little two, three grand every week. I'd have been good with that. I would have been like, that's a good job. It's better than what I would have been doing. Mm-hmm. You know, so the goal was never anything. And I remember going to like, it must have been maybe uh, around 2000. I was at a, at like a, at a R. Kelly concert or something in Toronto. And I remember they had half the, the, the Air Canada Center draped off because they couldn't sell the tickets properly for mm-hmm. that show. And I was like, wow, I don't know you can make this place so small. And then I remember going to a basketball game there maybe a week later. I'm going, wow, this is huge. And I just thought to myself, could you imagine performing in front of this many people? And I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to do that. It was just like, wow, that would be wild. Can't imagine anybody doing that. And then I did that. But again, it was not like I set out to do that. It just kind of happened. When did you go, oh, fuck, this is this is now becoming a thing. Like, I'm becoming a thing. This is bigger now than what I expected. Well, it's mine was such a slow boil that I'm actually grateful that it took a long time. Because like the first time I did a special was in 1995 in Canada. Mm-hmm. And that special got nominated for a Canadian Emmy. Yes, it did. And um. And I remember the CBC, when they aired it, they started getting an influx of fan mail for me out of nowhere. They'd never seen that before. And this is like, you know, email existed, but nobody was using it yet, you know? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. girls were sending pictures and stuff. And I was like, what? This is dope. (laughs) And then I I got another special. You know, the funny thing, I'll tell you this, because I was so happy and proud of that special. In 96, I went and stayed with Keith Robinson and Patrice in Woodbridge. Mm-hmm. New Jersey, and I was sleeping New on the couch. New Jersey. Wow. And I brought the VHS with me. I go, yo, you guys want to see my special? They're like, yeah, yeah, put it on. I put it on, and it was silent in the room. Mm. And then it ended at 30 minutes, and they, they looked at me, and they go, what the fuck was that? Oh, I go, they gave you a, oh. Well, what do you mean? <laughs> I was like, I thought they were just kidding. They were like, that was shit. Patrice gave you a good, ugh. It was trash. That's what they were like. What's the name of the first special? Uh, it was just, it was a, they did a series of comics called Comics. Okay. And uh, so it was like, I think eight or 10 comics they picked for the year and each got a comics episode. Okay. Got you. And, but got they you. shit on me. And, but that's what changed everything for me because Keith and Patrice both broke it down as to why that special was trash. Mm. They were like, what was special about that? What makes any of those jokes? unable for anybody else to do it was easy it was low bar none of it spoke about nothing and i was like wow what the fuck i was so proud coming in here and they just broke me down to make me look inside myself and it sounds evil you know to the listeners i know that sounds evil it sounds harsh for people that you call your friends to watch what you just did and you're so proud of and to kind of chop it down uh of course i'm no stranger to a keith robinson who is a mentor brother, uncle, all the above. I call him everything to me. Love him to death. Patrice O'Neill, RIP, the same brother, mentor. You know, these were people that you respected, but they 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 held no they held no punches when it came to attacks and 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 being honest with the reason of why for the attack. You know, I've been told yeah. I stink. 
That shit is stupid. You're not challenging yourself, dummy. You're writing writing basic jokes. You're going to be a basic comic. Talk to us when you actually put some work in. Where's your pad? Where's your fucking book? You got nothing, stupid. You got it all in your mind because you stink. They told me all of it, Russ. So I I totally understand where you came from. Was that a was that a gut punch to you? Like, did it did it fuck you up for a minute? It it did at the moment, momentarily. But then I also knew what they were talking about. In my head, I was like, you know, you you're just being lazy. Wow. And and it was kind of like I was like, I knew I was being lazy. But when somebody calls you out on it and they could see it, I'm like, well, my laziness is getting sloppy. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's I think that's big. At, at that point, how old were you? 26. That's fucking huge. I mean, to get to get that type of information at the age of 26 and not have it truly have an impact um, that's special. Because, you know, what Keith told me that I stunk, um, I was 22, 22 years old. Right. Matter of fact, 21. Because I remember I had pissed in Keith's car. On purpose? He got me drunk on my 21st birthday. And coming back, I fell asleep in the car and I pissed myself. This is a true story. And he, <laughs> he, he told me the next morning after I got out of the car, he put his hand over there to like close the door. He said it was piss on the seat. So I had to get the car detail with money I didn't have. But that was when like, you know, he had told me that I stunk. And I remember that it fucked with me for a minute because I truly believed that I didn't. Yeah. You, you think they're being haters at first. Yeah. Yeah. Then you realize, no, they actually, if they were being haters, they would have patted you on the back and said it was mm. good. Mm. So what did you do? Did you immediately take the pen, put it to the pad or what? No. What was the what was the next step for you? For me, it was an adjustment I had to make. So I was like, wait, well, what do they mean? And then, you know, the, the shit thing for me was uh, I got another special right away based on the strength of that first special. And I didn't have the pen game yet. I didn't have that kind of prolific mind. And I was so the next special sucked, sucked. Even I knew that. <laughs> so wait, why, why, why so fast then? Why, why did you put it out so fast? Because it was Canada. We didn't know. It was like 97. I'm like, I'm, you know, somebody said, you want 10 grand for a special? I'm like, hell yeah, I want oh, yeah. 10 grand for a special. And then somebody gave me a $10,000 development deal. <laughs> I mean, by the way, these are all, these are real numbers. These are, these, these, are <laughs> these aren't inflated numbers by Russell Peters right now. These are real and, numbers. And you know what I did with that money? I went and bought a fucking Lexus. <laughs> I, I, we got to get into the stories of money. We have to, not now, but as we, as we, as we get into it, we you have to. It. I went and bought that damn Lexus. And then I remember hanging out with Chappelle, maybe, uh, maybe like six, seven months later, he was in Toronto shooting something and I was hanging out and I'm like sitting there going, fuck, I got this car payment coming up. But I ain't got no money. Wow. Because <laughs> I put the money down on the car. I didn't wow. think about, you know, like, oh, how does that affect you later? I mean, so so at this point, like you said, this stuff is coming in pretty fast. You're getting the offers. I mean, they just offered you the opportunity to do another special. You took it. You took a $10,000 development deal. Was there anybody that acted as a mentor or oh. or a voice to you at this point? You're, you're a nomad. You're by yourself? By myself. I'm the only Indian guy in this game. I'm the first Indian guy in this game. I have nobody to look up to. And I, the only place I would get some truth told to me is when I'd go to New York. How often did you decide to make that trip because of that? Uh, you know, I'd come out maybe once every year, once every eight months or something. Cause I'd have to drive. I'd have to drive up. I didn't have no money for no flight, nothing like okay. that. I didn't have no money for a fucking hotel room. So, you know, it was that kind of at the mercy of whoever could let me do what, you know. And that's why I would take any gig when I'd come to New York. You know, mm-hmm. Keith and Patrice would get me on at the Boston or the cellar. And then I would get myself up at Stand Up New York or 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 New York, it was a New York City comedy club. Mm-hmm. And, and and then Capone would offer me like his room, the Bronx BBQ. And I would do all that shit, just whatever. I would do whatever, you know. Drew Fraser, like, you want to do Nagasaki's? I'm like, yeah. Oh I'm my god! I would oh do all of them. I remember you coming to Toronto as Little Kev. Yeah, fuck yeah! I was Little Kev the bastard when I came. Yeah, and you you were like a. I remember, I remember fucking the 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 legend of Russell Peters, man. The, the like, especially when you talk about Canada, and and you know the thing that really that really blew me away was. You had the respect of all comics. You still do, right? Like you, like you're, you're, you're a comics comic to the comics that know. Like your your grind and your trajectory. The comics that are supposed to know, they know. And 
it's fucking insane what you've done, like what you've really accomplished in your career. So I remember like just all the comedians knowing Russell. And I'll give you a, a crazy story. You know, we're talking about you taking the specials. Fuck it. The one you did after that wasn't good. And you're like, fuck, I knew it wasn't. I wasn't ready. Right. Um, I remember when you were coming to L.A. and Keith Robinson was like, yo, Russell is giving me a great opportunity and you were putting Keith on. You were letting Keith open. Yeah. Right. Like you were you were doing some shows with him and he was like, it's just so dope that Russell looks out. You know, he's a good guy. That, that used to be the conversation attached to you. Russell's a good dude, man. That's a good. But that's also a bad thing in comedy. Is he funny? Well, he's a really nice guy. Oh my god! <laughs> almost that's almost a kiss of death. Is he is he funny? Really nice guy. <laughs> you know what I get if I have people go? Is he funny? Very successful. Yeah, very successful. He's that doesn't right. mean he's funny, but no. very successful. <laughs> Wait, but I, is he funny? Making the right moves, making all the right moves, doing, doing things, doing things. <laughs> when when did it? When did you get it right? Then you said that special was bad. You didn't the one in ninety seven. What what came right? I didn't get another special for another six years. Wow. So in 2003, when I got the opportunity to do another special and it was done through the same company who did the one in 97, I, I had six years to prepare material. Wow. I had six years to polish. You got to figure now 2003, I'm 14 years in the game. Mm -hmm. Now I know what I'm doing. Yeah, you're surgical. I know how to work this bit. I know I have my shit's shiny, it's polished. It's mm -hmm. me, it's like, I'm in the zone there. And they paid me $7,500. They paid me less six years later than they did six years prior. Wow. Holy cow. Holy cow. What was the name of the special? That was, uh, it was just the, so the one that sucked was called Show Me the Funny. Mm -hmm. um, people are still waiting to be shown. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and the, the next one was just a uh, comedy now. They didn't even have a name for it. Wow. Fuck Russell. I love it. I love I love the story. So is this the one where you got the crazy attention off of? Yeah, this was the one that kind of but the thing is it wasn't immediate either. I mean, it aired in 2004. You gotta figure. I also at the time when I shot it, I was broke. Broke as fuck. When I say broke as fuck, Kevin, I mean I had they gave me the check, I signed it and paid bills. I didn't even get a penny from it. Holy cow. So then it airs in 2004. My dad dies a month after it airs. Jesus uh, Christ. Was, I don't know if the special killed him or not. <laughs> you think you're special? Come on. He said, no, Russell just said the special killed his dad. Okay, stop it, man. I can't now, take this That's shit. a fucked up thing. We're very dark. Comics are very dark. We don't miss an opportunity for a goddamn punchline. Look at that. So so you're dealing with a lot of this time. I mean, you're going through money problems. Yeah. Uh, you lose your father. I mean, it's a, it's a fucked up time. And I'm not thinking anything of the special. I didn't think like it was great or it was bad. I, I literally thought nothing of it. I just did it. I was like, oh, well, got me out of a little bit of debt. And, you know, so I just left it at that. And then, mm -hmm. you know, uh, my dad died in my show. It aired in March. It, it, it aired in February. My dad died in March. I came to L.A. in April and I was sleeping on Chris Spencer's couch. And uh, I think that's around the time you had just done Soul Plane. Mm hmm. And mm -hmm. I saw you in the Beverly Center. Mm -hmm. And I, I was like, hey, congrats on your movie, man. You go, hey, man, thanks. And I don't think you realized it was me. <laughs> <laughs> the crazy thing is, like, you never know what's going on in people's lives. Yeah. Like, you're, you're carrying so much baggage at the time. So much, so much fucking weight. You could look at it that way. But at the same time, I don't see what's bubbling underneath. You know, people mm. have started to pick up on the special. Mm, Somebody okay. recorded it and chopped it up and was sending out MP3 uh, snippets of it to people. And and it was at the time where somebody sent you, like send you a, an email clip, go download this, check out this comedian, he's hilarious. And it would take you 20 minutes to download a three minute bit. And then they'd watch it, go, oh my God, who is that? And then it started this whole thing. And then, so you go uh, and understand this, in, in February, 2004, I played DePaul University in Chicago and 11 people showed up. I got paid $750 and 11 people showed up and I felt bad that they were paying me so much money. <laughs> and then cut to November of that same year, I go back to Chicago. I sold out a theater for three nights. I was making like something like 40, 50 grand. And I was like, 
yo, what the fuck's happening? This is amazing. What the fuck? What the fuck just happened? Yeah, and I still didn't understand what was happening because I didn't understand file sharing and I didn't understand any of that world. And then in May or June of 2005, YouTube started and then somebody put the entire special on YouTube. I, to this day, don't know who did it. And that changed everything. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. This is incredible. So wait a minute. So you you are experiencing a uproar and mm -hmm. and you're following. You don't know why it's coming. Right. You find out, holy shit, people have put the snippets from this special that I did that I didn't think anything of. Mm -hmm. And they're like putting it on the Internet, sending it to people. And, and I guess that's how it's happening. My immediate reaction when I found that out was, Fuck, that's my act. How am I going to perform? Oh, my God. I wasn't even thinking about what it turns into. I was just thinking, oh, my God, I'm not going to have an act now. How the fuck am I going to perform? They're going to already know what I'm going to say. And it, it didn't click to me that, hey, stupid, write now. Start writing. Jesus. So so now how, how are they reaching you? How are you booking shows at this point? Well, I had a guy that was like a booking agent for me in Canada. OK. And he was doing a decent job, but he wasn't like thinking strategically or. Or, you know, he wasn't he wasn't mapping things out the right way. I'd be like, hey, I got you in Columbus, Ohio. And then uh, I got you in Seattle. But then you go right back to Akron. I'm like, wait, what the fuck? Wait, wait a you minute, could, man. I'm, couldn't lock I'm that down at the same time? Are you sure this is the right routing? Yeah, it's going to be great, man. Go ahead. Just take three connectors. You'll be all right. You'll be fine. Yeah, so at this, point, the States? at this point, you did you skip like the comedy club like stage no. at this point? Or did you kind of did you stay into that? Well, no, I was already in the clubs before that. Yeah. And then uh, when I started coming to the States, I started getting like the com the, the improvs. They were like, yeah. hey, we want to book you. And I and I think in June of 05, I think I signed with CAA at that time. OK. I was getting okay. courted by everybody and I got a development deal right away. And, and uh, you know, and just you think you think back a year before that I was sleeping on Chris Spencer's couch. God damn. You know, so. Shit changed quick. Give me just a time, like if you had to put a time on it, from sleeping on Chris's couch to shit just making a complete about face for you. Um, it was seven months. Wow, it's insane. Seven or eight months, yeah. That's truly insane, man. It was nuts, yeah. And then you know, I came. Uh, you slept on the same couch. Yes, yes, yeah. I did. Uh, thank God it wasn't at the same time. Would have been weird. I mean, I would have been fucked up. You'd have been cuddly, but you got a giant hog. I don't need that near me. <laughs> I would have asked for, I would just said, let me get the outside. Let me get the outside, <laughs> Russ, please. That's so fucking insane. So what Russ just told you guys, I slept on the same couch. Chris Spencer uh, is an amazing friend to so many comedians. He's like I, the I, West Coast Keith. He's, he's, Chris Spencer is arguably, uh, I would say the nicest guy in comedy. I would say it's it's a it's a strong debate as to who you would try to put above Chris Spencer. But with I'm saying the nicest guy that tries to do so much for so many. You say you are as well, Russ. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. I'm just pointing at myself. I'm, I, I, I'm going to say Chris Spencer for sure. You know, I, I would I would definitely say that, you know, he was there for me when I had nothing. I slept on that couch and I was trying to figure it out, you know, and, and the biggest thing for a comic is a roof. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the that's the hardest thing, man, is a roof over your head because that money is coming in so sporadic. It's not consistent. So the world of paying bills 
is one of few, far, and in between. And when you get an opportunity and you can start to get some type of stability, I mean, it's the biggest and best thing. So Rush just gave you guys a, a full, a full like experience of his trajectory and where, where he came from. Just to- You know, the funny shit is, though, <clears throat> I think it was like the fall of 05, and then the buzz was already out now. And I started making, I, I was on my way to, I think I was, a, I think I made him, I was about to make a million dollars that year. Mm. Mm. And uh, I was doing Vegas with, it was the Vegas Comedy Festival, it was like November of 05. And I'm back, standing backstage with Patrice. <laughs> Patrice goes, yo, Russell, I'm not saying you're not funny, but you ain't funny enough to be getting all the shit you be getting. <laughs> Whoa, wait, Patrice. <laughs> Only Patrice would do that in, in, and think that it's okay, right? Like this is, this is the thing that I think makes him so fucking amazing. But also at the same time, Patrice was the biggest asshole ever, right? Like there was a there was this thing of like, uh, I don't want to say jealousy because it wasn't that. He it didn't was, want what you had. He yeah. just didn't want you to have it. Yes, it was. It was a weird. It's a weird thing. Like he is not like, hey man, I should I should be the one performing at those arenas or selling out those theaters. It's just, uh, you shouldn't be doing that. Why yeah. are you doing that? Like that's, it's a weird thing that, that he had because he felt that, uh, you know, he was so, he was so good at this craft. So if you weren't on par with his level or, or close to it or in the space, then you just weren't deserving of anything uh, from his side. You know what I mean? That's, that's what I would say. But when he says that to you, I can totally see him saying that. Oh, yeah. At that, at, what is your response, though? I, agree, I said, I agree. <laughs> I agree with you. Right, right. <laughs> I don't get it either. But fuck it. You know what I mean? I go. Uh, and you know what would drive him nuts is if well, he said something mean to you and you laughed because he wanted you to get upset. Yes. <laughs> and I would never get upset because I knew him. I'm like, I know you, dog. Yeah. I mean, I know where your heart is at. I know you want people to get upset. You kind of get off on that. But I think it's fucking hilarious because I'm a fan. So you never really allowed it to get to you? Never. It never bothered me. When, when, which tour was it that you said, okay, we're taking on all arenas? We're out of the small theaters. We're out of the comedy clubs. Oh, seven. We're going all arenas. Oh, seven. Oh, seven. Oh, fucking seven. That's your biggest one? No, that was the first one. And I've been doing arenas ever since. I mean, you haven't, you've never looked back. No, 14 years later, and I'm still lining up arenas for next year. It's insane. Trying to get rid of Kevin Hart's date so I can get that arena for that night. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about, man. I, when I say you deserve the flowers, man, you, you deserve to be acknowledged. Your numbers and your fan base, you've been so consistent. Uh, and you've, you've performed at this level, I mean, for eons. For eons. This money, the money that came from touring at that level, of course, I know what it is, uh, and I know how crazy it is. How how did you handle that? How did you handle the volume of income at that time? I I, mean, I, uh, I didn't. I did, again. I still, I still to this day don't have anybody who helps me figure my shit out. Like I, I never really felt like there's a friend in this game. Mm-hmm. There's people that are your business associates, but nobody's your real friend in this business. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to fucking make sure you're okay. People mm-hmm. want to see you fail. They want to see you fall. They want to see your shit crumble. So they can be like, ha, you know, so they feel better about themselves. So it's, you know, it's a question of changing your scenery to match your environment because that's when you're going to keep moving up. And it took me a long time to get to this mental space because, you know, I started, when I started making money, I just started living like a rapper. Mm. I was buying Rolls Royces, Bentley. Shit, I saw you at the comedy store one night and I pulled I up from that. You remember I, I pulled up in that yes. Bentley convertible? I remember you had a Bentley and I was, my mouth dropped. And you were like, motherfucker, I just bought a Range Rover and felt good about it. I want to be like you one day. I remember saying this to you and I think this is what motivated you to fucking never work with me. But you, <laughs> <laughs> I want to be like you, Russ. And I went, ha never. And I drove away. <laughs> and then I'm I pretty remember. They went, really, motherfucker, never? I'm going to smoke you. And that's I remember. I remember the Bentley. I remember you outside that comedy club. But I remember the thought that came with it. Like, wow, this is, this is what can come from comedy. This is what yeah. comes with success in this in this space in this craft like you know dude i swear to god on on my mother you truly did motivate me because it was one of those 
it was one of those in-person, in-person real life examples, right? Like you, I wasn't talking with people about the guy that I didn't know or that I didn't see, or I wasn't hearing about the legends of, I got to see you. I got to meet you. I got to talk to you. And it was like, fuck man. Like I, I want that. And I know exactly where you were in your life at that point. That was when your MySpace page got hacked. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Fucking <laughs> I think MySpace. you know what I'm talking about, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> Fucking MySpace. Jesus Christ. MySpace. That boy, what a time. That's a that's another discussion. In this but but that's how that's when it was. That was the time. And, you yeah. know, you were going through your own personal shit and you were you were spinning. You were like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. What's going to yeah. happen? You know? Yeah. And I remember watching you panic and I was like, You'll be all right because you took it on stage and you flipped it. I went, if you're able to flip that, you, your life is going to be fine. Yeah, I mean, look, that was when, and for, for our listeners, what you're referring to, you know, my first marriage, that's when that shit was like falling apart. I was going through it. That's when, yeah. like, you know, my little world that I had that acted as my foundation, well, that's when I was, that's when I was losing sight of what that was and why. You know what I mean? And, and like Russ said, I was bringing that to the stage. But I'm telling you, through through all of that, seeing you keep telling me what you were doing, telling me the level you were doing it at, it's just it just added that ammunition and that drive. Um, my question though is like, you know, with with that type of money, what why why not eventually, why not eventually get some someone that you can at least talk to to help you understand how to navigate in that space with the amounts that you were bringing in. I didn't think it would last. I was like, eh, it's a one-time thing. Let's enjoy it. Mm. That's literally how I looked at it. Cause I wasn't getting encouragement from anybody. Nobody was like, wow, this is great. You know what you should do next? Nobody. I mean, my homeboys back home, like, yo, you should buy a tire store with me. I'm like, what the fuck about fuck out of here with a tire yeah. store. You know, be dumb shit like that. Yo, can you buy me that? 1975 BMW I wanted. I'm like, yeah, I can. It was 15 grand. My boy restored it. I'm like, yeah, go get it. You know, whatever. I was doing dumb shit. Like I want to make sure everybody I grew up with got something from my success. Mm. And then I was like, I'll take care of me after. And you wow. know, you, you know, you don't, you don't pay attention to it because I was never motivated by the money. The money was just the gravy. I was, I was all geeked out by this success. Mm -hmm. And you know, it wasn't until people started saying, well, I wish I had your career. I was like, what do you mean? Like I had celebrities like being like, well, I wish I had your career. You know, you got the money, you got the, 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 the fame, but you don't have uh, the fame where people are going to bother you. And I go, well, that's kind of what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that fame. You know what I mean? Mm, 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 mm. I love I love that you are that you're so open and honest about the one thing that you are that I know to be true, which is that your, your heart, you know heart of gold when it comes to giving, when it comes to wanting to take care, when it comes to, to truly embracing your team. Something else that I took from you, you had Joe Coy on the road with you. You had uh, Keith Robinson, Keith Robinson. Yeah, Sebastian at one point, right? Am I missing? Who am I missing? Oh, shit. Everybody went on the road. I took Chris Spencer on the road with me. I took uh, Ruben Paul. Ruben Paul goes on the road with me a lot. You had got uh, Joe Coy and Keith. You had gave them watches. Oh yeah, that's right. you had gave them watches as gifts, uh, just for opening up, and it was just your appreciation. And I remember Keith Robinson. He came back, and we were driving from New York back to Philadelphia. And Keith shows me the watch, and he's like, "Yeah, stupid. You like that, huh? You see this? <laughs> Look at this dummy. Stupid. With your horse shit. You big dummy." Look at that little piece of shit you got on your wrist. This is a watch. Yeah, Russell gave this to me. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's what you do. This is what comics do. You look out for each other. It's fucking the rap. Russell's a fucking good guy. And he was so happy. He was so happy about your gesture. And Keith is like, I think Keith is the, he really is the goat of this game. Yes. What are you talking about? Absolutely. And and he's also like, now we talk about a guy who was who, who was overlooked in this business. That's Keith, one hundred and fifty percent. It's just Absolutely. like, how the fuck? When he opens for me, I sit there going, "Fuck! Why didn't I think of that? That's a great joke. Fuck me, I'm an idiot." Just like you watch him, and then I go out with my stupid shit and kill, and I'm like, 
No, did you hear what that guy just said? It was so much better than what yeah, I just Keith, fucking did. Keith is an OG. He's an OG. And he, he called me, he called me a couple of weeks ago, and I just remember stroke shaming him on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris calls him Strokey Robinson, which is the most. Oh my! You know what's funny is Rodney Perry. <laughs> Rodney Perry posted a picture of him and Keith. Uh, him and Keith a couple of years ago. And he's like, the, the things me and this brother have in common, the things we've been through, nobody will ever understand. And I commented different strokes. Oh, no. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Different strokes. It's so, it's so spot on and genius, though. It's probably one of the best one of the best comments that I probably would have ever read in my life if I had seen it. If I had ever seen it. But when you gave them the gift, it instantly went in my head, you got to take care of your people. You got to take care of the people that that are basically helping you along this journey. You got to look out for your people. So when you see me gifting my guys these things, you know, the watches, the cars or whatever. Or a Cullinan, Russell, Russell, whatever. I mean, you know. It came from you. I, I'm, I'm letting you know now. I told you this is about giving you your flowers. It came. Why don't you give you. me a Rolls Royce, Kev? Well, no. Well, I, I don't think I need to do that, Russ. I don't think I need to give you fucking Rolls Royce. I think I just need to let you know the impact that you've had and, and what I've taken from the things that I know to be true from you. Taking care of your team. That was big. That was a big deal. I yeah, prioritize listen, it. We came up the way we came up. None of us came up gifted. None of us came up uh, privileged. None of us had that upbringing. You know, I'm not... The Indian kids in America are very different than the Indian kids in, in Canada. Mm. You know, in Canada, the, the poor neighborhoods are black and, and brown. Mm-hmm. And in Canada, the poor neighborhoods are black and brown. Mm-hmm. It's just the difference is that the brown is Indian in Canada and the brown is Hispanic in America. Mm-hmm. But we're the same. It's like literally the same thing. So when I would meet these Indian kids that grew up in, in, in America that had like parents that were professors or whatever the fuck they were, they lived in these upper upper class areas. They never understood the struggle. They don't even mm-hmm. know what a struggle is. So I was like, wait, what the fuck? How did you not... What, what do you mean you don't know? Like, I just I just assumed everybody grew up like me. Here's a question. At this time, you were like the you were like the one guy in this space. Right. You're, you're truly the the one comic that's performing at this level. That's, you know, that's relating, like you said, to this this immigrant uh, audience that has been forgotten. And you relate because you, too, can can say you were once there. You operated in that space your heritage, your life, et cetera. Uh, how do you feel now when you see the other comedians um, with the same background as you flourishing in the space? How does it make you feel uh, I mean, knowing that you kind of paved the way? I mean, I mean, I know I paved the way, but I don't know if they know I paved the way. Really? I, I don't really? I don't ever hear from them. Mm-hmm. Like none of them reach out and be like, yo, you good? Hey, I'm doing something. Let me put you on. I, I never get that call from anybody. And I don't you know. There was a time where I, I feel like I was, maybe I was feeling entitled and I felt like somebody needs to do that for me. Mm. And you get to a certain point, you go, they don't owe me shit. I don't, you know, I didn't put set out to do this for them. I just set out to do this. And if it, you know, if it inspired some people to do some other shit, then that's great. And if they want to put me on, that's also great. But if they don't, that's they don't have to. Mm. Um, mm. So you know, I'm, I'm, I'm I think I'm, I'm, you know, I'm 51 years old this year. So I'm, it's not like I'm this little kid thinking like you owe me. It's it's not like that anymore. My yeah. brain's developed. I I've got a much more mature look at the world where it's like nobody owes you shit, pal. You're lucky to have been where you were. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's a that's that's a concept that you have to grasp. Um, yeah. If you if you think the opposite then you're you're going to find yourself in a in a pretty miserable space because your expectations and needs are never going to be met. You know what I yeah, mean? Because like, you're what? pinning it on somebody else now. Exactly. You're taking exactly. away your own accountability. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. I had Hassan Minaj um on on the show on Comedy Gold Mines. Mm-hmm. And I think it's somebody you should just talk to. I don't know if you have a relationship if you don't. He used to open for me. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, he talked about you and just talked about like you and and when you would be at the arenas and the amount of people that would come out and he couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe the people that were in the seats. He couldn't believe what it looked like. He couldn't believe that it existed. Like, and they could see, they could also see the mistakes I made and avoid them. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you look at whoever blazed the trail for somebody first, 
people look at that and go, okay, don't do that. Don't do that, but do that, do that. You know, I see, I don't, I see what the mistakes they're making. Okay. I, I won't do that. So the, you know, my, you know, here I am 32 years in the game. You know, you got these other kids that are, you know, 10, 15 years in the game or less even, and they're making strides. And you know what? They're supposed to do it like that now because they don't have the same pitfalls I had. Absolutely. I mean, look, the, the one thing that set up or that stood out that Hassan said, he was like, you know, it blew, it blew his mind that Indian people could, could make it. He said, mm-hmm. it blew my mind that, that I was watching somebody that was just like me achieve fame, celebrity, success, everything. He said, like, that's, that's what set me off to say I can do it. Oh, yeah. And I remember him coming out when he was in Sacramento and I do the punchline and he was a dorky kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's a young, he's, you know, trying to wear Jordans and the, his feet are big and his pants were, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, that kind of shit. We're like, oh, I don't know about this kid. He's mad dorky. And then you know, he grew up into this really handsome man and you're like, ah, oh, motherfucker. <laughs> And ah, got no vices and you know filled out. He filled out right. He's a, got a yeah. good head on his shoulder. I expected you to be on cocaine or something. No, that yeah, like like I went and did all the dumb shit, like you know, yeah. dated porn stars and and fuck mad bitches and yeah. Yeah. you know, out the bar. And you were subjected to all the bullshit. Nobody pointed you in the right direction. We yeah, all took like, the yeah, dark this, shit, this guy's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. If you could go back and redo anything from that time, what would you redo? I think I would, um, I think I would focus more. I would have focused better. I was so focused on like, just like trying to be a celebrity. Like I wasn't actually a celebrity, but I had the money that went along with celebrity Mm -hmm. and I wanted to feel like one. So I was buying my way into feeling like that. You know, I didn't need a fucking Rolls Royce 12 years ago. The fuck was I doing mm-hmm. the goddamn Rolls Royce? You know, a drop head convertible. I didn't need that, but I got it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I and, and, you know, I, I look at all the things I did, all the women I ran through, and all the shit that was unnecessary. And, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't until I got with the woman that I'm with right now that I really got this clarity and this focus. You know, once you get the right person behind you, everything else doesn't matter. I'm not out there looking like, ooh, I wonder if I could have that. Yeah, you motherfucker, you probably could, so ignore it. Mm. Well, you I mean, know. you're also, like you said, 51. And the, the yeah, but it's not cute anymore. The experience and knowledge that comes with age is unreal. You know, yeah. I was uh I was talking to an older, a older friend of mine. He's like 67, right? So you're talking and, to Keith? And no, not Keith. I, I, <laughs> although uh, I think Keith may be 75 if we really check his ID. Shut uh, up, stupid. He's like 67 and I joke with him and I'm like, uh, you know, shut your old ass up. And he says to me, he said, talk to me when you get here. Mm-hmm. When you get here, then talk to me. You don't realize the accomplishment that comes with old age. A, you have you've achieved levels in life that so many have not. Mm-hmm. So many have, but so many have not. And you don't even need to be successful just to get to that age and then think back and look at all the shit you know. You, 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 there's so much information attached to your experience here on earth. And I think sometimes the younger generation looks past that. And I think the reflection that we're able to do or, or have on our lives, on what we've done, is so strong because you know your mistakes. You know your rights and wrongs. You know where you could have done better, where you should have did better. And looking at it now, okay, that's that's what I decided to do in my life. But now that I have this knowledge, yes, I'm going to apply it to, to, to the now in my life, but I'm also able to give it. I'm also able to give this to individuals when 
when I can. Not to tell you to do what I did or don't do what I did, but just to give you information. That's mm-hmm. what we lack. And we lack in our in our business, especially. I mean, you're talking to me about your your starting your starting career, and as you bubbled and, and got to this crazy level of success, you didn't have you didn't have the person to to bounce shit off of. So yeah. you kind of you kind of figured it out as you were going. You know, I had my brother, he's my manager, <clears throat> but he's also my older brother and he's very protective. And you know, he's you know, he's he's riding it with me. He's like, I was like, I'm thinking about doing this. He goes, Oh, I don't know, save your money. I'm like, for what? Save it for what? At the time, I didn't have a family, I didn't have kids, I didn't have, you know, save it for what? I'm a single guy making a fuckload of money. And then I, you know, I tried to figure out how ways to get rid of the money by getting married one time, then uh, and and having a kid, and then and then having a second kid, and then uh, now getting fleeced by that situation, you know. You know, uh, you, you do these things. And I think as comics, we almost subconsciously create this drama in our head to take us out of the happy place so we can get back to that dark place that makes us right. Do you feel like you suffered uh, about in a dark place? Um, I, I definitely was in a dark place last year, for sure. I, I had some very, 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 very dark moments. Um, give me an example. Oh, you know, um, put it this way. When you had your car accident, I envied it. Really? Yeah. Wow. I was like, wow, how can I fucking flip over in a car but not make it? How can I do that? Wow. I was in wow. that space. I was like driving down, you know, Malibu Canyon and think, you know, if I don't turn the wheel, I go straight. I'll be all right. Wow. It looked like an accident. You know, that's that's how that's where my head was at. What um what pulled you out of it? Did you go therapy? Did you talk <clears> to somebody? <throat> no. Or you... no, I think um I'm I'm naturally introspective. I'm naturally self-aware and I'm and I'm also good at calling myself out on my own bullshit. Strong. And um I thought about who it would hurt and who it would benefit. Mm. And the people that benefited were the wrong people and the people who would hurt were the wrong people. Mm. And I would be doing everything wrong in that situation. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, here we are today in the we're good. Well, it's 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 scary simply because I've never I've never been there. Right. But I don't I don't look down on those who have. I'm I'm envious of those who have and have gotten to a space of good because I, I truly understand the I understand the, the fucking animal attached to what we do. There's a yeah. there's a fucking there's an animal attached to this shit and and you know reaching those levels of success in 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 comedy that that go to fame that go to lights that go to camera that go to action there's a lot that comes with it and the biggest thing that you said that I want people to fucking try to understand right now is that you don't have a teacher there's no there's nobody guiding you and telling you the do's and don'ts you're 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 figuring it out as you go i was very lucky to have a keith robinson i was very fucking lucky to have a keith robinson in my in my life in my young comedy career to tell me the do's and don'ts and why and not this not that not not saying be what he was saying hey little dummy i'm trying to tell you how to get to a good place. Here's the information. So I still had choices to make. Like I had Keith if I called him. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, at, and when you're in that dark place, you don't want to call anybody. You yeah. don't want them to know you're there. Yeah, you're in there by yourself. You're in there by yourself. You're like, well, you know what? If I call somebody, it looked like I'm just being a little bitch. And I know I'm being a little bitch. And it's about conquering that. So... You know, I can't say I beat it alone, though. I mean, I, I beat it with my woman. My woman came in this. I got this amazing chick and she she didn't do or say anything that was like you fix. She just came in and she just did. She didn't. It wasn't verbalized. It just kind mm-hmm. of, you know, mm-hmm. kind of took me out of that dark place. And I didn't even know it was being taken out of it until I was out of it. And I was like, oh, shit. And that was you also weird. don't know. You also don't know how amazing a woman is. Uh, until you give a woman the real opportunity to show you how amazing 
a woman can be, right? Oh, yeah. Like if 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 we're if we're in the stages or in the mindset of sport, well, you you kind of overlook the valuable assets that come with a good woman, right? Right, like a nurturing good woman. Like a your good mind, woman is like yeah. a good coach. Yeah, absolutely. They guide you to the victory. Absolutely. How are you? Uh, how you doing with your kids? Um, my, my daughter's great. I mean, I don't get to see my son cause you mm-hmm. know, that world, mm-hmm. how that goes. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen him seven times since December 14th, you know, and, uh, that's, that's, that's the shit I'm dealing with now, but absolutely. hopefully that figures itself out. I mean, you know, it is what it is. I mean, that's just, well, the, that's the world. Your, your attempts, your attempts are big. So don't ever look at it as they aren't, you know what I mean? Oh, your, I know. your, your attempts are big so just make sure that there's attempts make sure that there's there's things that can always be seen and and justified as trying right and and unfortunately unfortunately you got to buy your way into your child's life in this country yeah it's a you it's literally a, have to buy your way in it's a fucking and i look thing. at all the fucking deadbeat dads out there who got off without paying a penny and the kids probably was dying to meet their dad and here I am dying to be with my kid and I'm being stopped because yeah. I don't have the power. You got the money, but you ain't got the power. And if you got the money, we're going to take your money and you're still not going to get your kid. It's, so. it's so it's, it's an unfortunate thing. It's an unfortunate thing, but here's the thing. Russ, God don't put these battles on, 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 on people unless they're capable of handling them. You're a strong soldier, man. You're a strong fucking soldier, and I'm sitting here looking at you in this stupid hat with you this goddamn of a bitch. How dare amazing, you? I'm wearing a amazing. fucking Kevin Hart sweatshirt. Well, you see, I didn't say stupid hoodie. I said stupid hat. I think the hoodie's amazing, but it's you're a very still comfortable, soft hoodie. <laughs> you're still you. You're still personable. You're still vibrant, man. And you're you're. It's like you're a weapon. You're you're a weapon of mass destruction because you figure it out. You know what I mean? Like you never not figure it out and there's different levels to figure it out. And there's levels of the old and there can be levels of new, but you can still figure it the fuck out. So don't lose that. Don't, don't go. I I can't. That's who I am. I mean, I've never been the guy to quit. You know, I used to box and I, I never, I never quit. Uh, I do jujitsu and I'll tap if I know you got me in something for real, but mm-hmm. otherwise I'm going to try and fight my way out of it. Well, you, you do a good job of it. Russ, you, you also have, you got a podcast, right? It's, it's culturally canceled. Yeah. Uh, I love the name. What's it about? Tell me what it, what is it it's about? It's literally we're hanging out. We okay. sit in my backyard, we have cigars and some drinks mm-hmm. and we talk and it's literally you're hearing conversations you would never normally hear because you're hearing people being real. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, you're not going to hear Kevin Hart. You're going to hear Kevin. Yes. Yes. You know, Big I, difference, by the way. The, it's a huge difference. And you're mm-hmm. not going to hear Russell Peters. You're going to hear Russell. Mm-hmm. And these are the people that, those are, those are the people that we don't share with people. And it's not about exposing that. It's just about you being comfortable and talking. And if there's something that's said that you didn't like, we take it out. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to get nobody. Mm-hmm. I don't want anybody's fucking feelings to get hurt. I want them walking away. Man, I shouldn't have said that. You know, if you feel awkward when you leave, we cut it out. Well, you know what I do? I, I call it being on being on your guest side. You know, like I do. Yeah, I got the podcast. I got the talk show heart to heart. And the biggest thing is within these conversations, you know, you get you get into a place where some some real shit comes out. Yeah. But there's never there's never a feeling of gotcha. of yes, you're 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 looking to get some stuff yeah. to use this stuff. Never it's, that. Never that. It's on. It's we're on your side. Yeah. Right. We're, I'm, I'm, I'm on the talent side because I, too, know what it's like to go through shit or be in shit. So, you know, when you're talking about this, it's just about being real. Yeah. And it's sometimes. You know, sometimes it even get deep. It's just like we're just bullshit. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. fine, too, because, you know, you know, I had said it was me, said Showtime, Sean Porter, Ruben Paul. We were all sitting there talking about boxing, you know, mm-hmm. just, and that was it. It may be boring for some people, but it was fun to talk boxing with a world champion. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you have 
three different, very, three very different types of comedians. And then he's asking questions about comedy and we're asking questions about the fight game and we're paralleling the two. You know, mm. it's just, it's literally like what it would be like if you're hanging out. Cause I like to pair people off. You know, if I had you, I would pair somebody else off who would be like, um, not almost opposite of you, but like somebody who would compliment the whole thing and give us another angle. Yeah, I refuse to do it with anybody else. I'm just going to oh, you son of your mother. <laughs> <laughs> We don't have enough to talk about. <laughs> uh, Kevin, there's no way that we can fulfill the allotted time if it's just you and I. Not, yeah, we cannot fix that one. Tell me what Russell Peters wants. What do you want now from the craft of comedy? What are you, what are you looking to get out of it? I don't at think it's part I, of your career. I think it's wrong as a comic to want something from comedy. Okay. It's up to you to give comedy something. I was about to say, explain that just so I, so I know. Yeah, because if you want something from comedy, comedy's not going to give it to you. You have to give it to comedy. And it's, and I want to dig deeper and I want to get, you know, sometimes you have a joke in your set that gets that heavy, deep belly laugh. Mm -hmm. I want to get a set of that, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're like, well, what did I do in that joke? What was the thing? What was, I wrote, run it back in my head. I'm like, how do I continue that? I want that the entire hour. Mm hmm. Do you feel like you are now material wise? Like, do you feel like you're the best that you've been? I don't know that I'm the best I've been, but I'm definitely back in a better mental place. So it's, I think the anger's gone from the way I was talking and stuff. And okay. I had a lot of, I, even I watched some of my old stuff and go, what the fuck were you angry about? What are you so mm-hmm. miserable about? Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't realize it was, I was in that space because when you're doing people, and I would hear people say, hey, he's fucking blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, fuck you. And I'm like, Oh yeah, you're right. I was fucking. I watched some of it back, and I go, well, "What's wrong with you?" I was, mm-hmm. you yeah. When you, especially when you get successful, it's it's very difficult for you because it's a tough juggle, you know. And I've watched you manage to juggle this in a way that it, it's it's always going to work for you. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I'll, I'll liken it to Eddie. We all love Eddie. Yes, we and do. What happened with Eddie was Eddie was so famous and so good and so popular at such a young age that I think he went through a period where he felt people didn't take him seriously. And then he wanted to be viewed as the cool guy. And then there's nothing redeeming in the cool guy. Mm. It's not Eddie's fault by any means. And that's not something I don't even think he intentionally did, but I, I found myself trying to get into that space where like, you're going to respect me. And I'm like, mm. listen, you're a comic, just be funny. That's all the fuck that people want from you. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you something and this isn't advice. I'm going through this new stage uh, in my life now where it's not about telling people what to do. Like, this is what you should do. It's not that. It's I'm I'm just giving information. What I've what I've learned and what's helped me manage the the stages. Right. Because this this fame, you know, shit is at a different level, at a different fucking level. Like I. Never in my life did I see it getting here or that I think it would, right? What's helped me is it's just me against me, right? Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and in doing this, it's not about the approval of others. It's not about trying to get the respect of others. It's about doing what I feel I, I want to do at a level that I think I'm I'm operating in a good space at, right? Like like wh- whether it's comedy, whether it's acting, I'm trying my best for me to to be better each time. If I fail in the eyes of the beholder or the the masses, well, you know, it's I, better luck for me next time. But that's not like that doesn't generate. Or, or navigate my will or want to continue right. because you can't please everybody. You got to get, but you got to get to that space. It took yes. me a long time to get to that space of absolutely accepting that you can't please everybody. Absolutely. Because absolutely. when you're coming up, you're like, well, why don't you like everybody else like me? Why don't you like me? Yeah. And you're like, and then I look back on certain things and I go, I don't like me then either. I clearly didn't like me. And that's why other people didn't like me. Which I went through. I definitely went through the, why don't you guys, why don't you love me? Like, what, what's the problem? 
Yeah. Why don't what what's going on? Why doesn't everybody just love me? I'm nice. I'm a cool dude. Everybody should. I definitely went through that. I understand that. Yeah. So it's the same thing. It's like once you get on the other side of that, and you go, yeah, you know what? This it's not. You're not for everybody, and and that's okay, because this guy's for that person, or this person is for that person, but that person's not for you. So it's the same thing. So why can't you accept that you're the same as everybody else? You know, so you got to get to that place, accept that. And then it's so much easier to work. It's so much easier to maneuver. Have you have you done a book, Russell? I did. I did one like 11 years ago. I got to do an updated one. I was going to say, have you thought about like really, really putting this in a in a in a book form? I mean, your, your story, dude, is it's it's compelling. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm. I'm I'm engulfed into the conversation because your story, your story is so fucking real, so grounded, and your truth within your ups and downs is valuable. This is this is so valuable to so many to hear 51-year-old Russell Peters talk. And a 51-year-old Russell Peters talk and to talk about how his life has come full circle and how now he's in a place of comfort and what matters versus what doesn't. Like, Russell, this is is dope as fuck, man. Well, you know, the funny thing is, uh, not really funny, but the interesting thing for me is that, you know, I'm in a place now where I'm not making anywhere near the money I used to make. Mm -hmm. And I'm somehow happier right now. Wow. And that's not indicative of money brings you misery. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, you need something else outside of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much better would my life be if I had all that money and what I got now? Fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. But that's not where we're at. And mm-hmm. you know what? I'm good with that too. I had it. I experienced it. I did shit. I never ever thought I would ever, you know, you know, I, I'm, I, I tell people I'm friends with you, even if you, you know, tell them you don't know me, but I still <laughs> tell people, <laughs> you know, to be able to like, you know, for geeky things, like, you know, I always tell people, no matter who you are, no matter what you are, never stop being a fan of things. The minute you stop being a fan, you, you're fu- you're going to be a fucking miserable person. Dude, I, I'm I'm a fan of you. I'm a friend of yours. And I, I meant what I said about giving you your flowers. You are a legend in this comedy game. And what I what I hope and pray for is that you're celebrated when you can fucking actually enjoy it. I agree. I, I hope I hope that that the day comes where you're truly celebrated. You 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 change the narrative for a culture of comedians now. You know, when I look at a when I look at a a a, a group of comedians that come from the place that you come from and that are now navigating in a space because of the road that you kind of cleared out. That's a big deal, right? And it doesn't mean, like you said, that people owe you anything. Nobody owes you anything. I just believe in paying homage to to those that broke the 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 ground and maybe cracked it. Maybe cracked it for other people to come through with the other tools to fucking break it even more. But I truly believe that you got to celebrate that. You got to celebrate how many years you've been touring at the level that you've toured at. You got to celebrate the number and tickets that were sold on tour one through tour five. You got to celebrate the consistency and stand up. You got to celebrate the fact that you hit a low and that you came back and you're at a high. You got to celebrate your honesty. You got to celebrate your fucking, your love for people and the love for the craft. You have to celebrate that. And if I don't do anything else, man, I'm going to continue to shine a light on those that deserve a fucking spotlight. And you're exactly that, Russ. Man, I can't thank you enough for doing this podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Kev. I truly mean every last thing that I said. I'm grateful to whoever canceled on you last minute and you let me do it. No, no, Russ. This is <laughs> nobody. This is this is real, Russ. I wanted you on. Where are you, by the way? I'm in Budapest. Are you shooting me? No, I'm shooting a movie in Budapest right now. 
Damn. And, right. and I basically I'm doing a podcast right now. It's one in the morning. Because I was thinking, I'm like, damn, Kev's house got a little ass bedroom. I mean, I know no, he's a I'm, little not, guy, but... I'm in I'm in my hotel. I'm uh I do the podcast late at night so that I can catch some uh some good guests, you know, at, at good times, multitasking. But that's what this is about, man. I love it. I enjoy it. This is comedy gold mines. And what do we do here? We get inside the minds of brilliant comedians, and oh my god, what an amazing mind. We got the privilege of getting into today. Russell Peters, ladies and gentlemen. Comedy Gold Mines is a serious XM and LOL audio production. Executive produced by Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, and Eric Weil. With Tastemakers Media, Emil Garner, and Ian McDonald. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.